0: Okay, I I understand. I understand where you're coming from. <laughs> I'm not sure it bothers me as much okay. as it bothers you, but I. I no, it clearly
1: doesn't from. bother you as much. It, do, it
0: doesn't. I, I don't. You know, I. Sometimes. It's a story about friendship,
1: betrayal, and visions of the future. It's a story about young Padawans, old Masters, a guy raised by protocol droids, and a crystal that changes everything. It's Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray on this edition of the Eleven Parsecs Podcast.
0: To the first podcast of the Eleven Par Six podcast. I mean, do we call this the first? First,
1: one? official.
0: First official. First podcast. official. Okay. So, is so we have like a like a podcast uh, number zero, like a prequel, almost that was like uh, we hope you've listened to it already. It, it is the first one that's on our feed, but we kind of did an introduction into what we are, what we're doing, our kind of project that we're documenting via podcast. And this is our first official podcast. Uh, today, we're going to be going over Claudia Gray's Master and Apprentice, which is technically the first chronological uh, piece of Star Wars media in Star Wars canon. But uh, since the, the podcast has kind of came to be, we've had some some newer uh, older public books uh, announced with Project Luminosity and some other stuff. So well, this is the first official podcast when we started the idea for this podcast uh claudia gray's master of Prudence was the first thing on the list at 39 bby yes, so we
1: planted our flag and we're yeah, going from exactly. here exactly
0: yes that, that that's a great way to say it, is we're, we're not worried now to be fair none of those books are even out yet but in, anyways we we've planted our flag this is the way we're moving forward we'll go back you know when other stuff comes out we'll go back and read and watch movie or watch uh episodes of whatever comes out that's earlier you know all that good stuff but as of today this is the first official 11 parsecs podcast we're reviewing our first official book master and apprentice and uh john you know we we talked about it on the uh the intro podcast but uh, what are you drinking tonight
1: tonight i'm having elysian space dust Ooh, space oh dust was appropriate so good. i it's actually so a, good
0: i bought a shirt that that is the space dust shirt just because i liked it so much it is that is a uh, good beer
1: really really good i haven't had it in a while so this is quite the treat
0: yeah i'm uh i'm unfortunately since quarantine uh Packed on a couple pounds and, and and I've gone back into the kind of the keto low carb lifestyle. So, i but I do have actually a good beer and I, I'm kind of amazed. Usually, when I do the keto stuff, I usually drink Setzer or something like that or just uh whiskey. But um, Lagunitas has a daytime IPA, which I'm drinking tonight. Uh, it is very, very good. Uh, I've actually had a couple of them before. I hate that they call them IPAs, and there's another, there's another couple that are like this, like low and slow, uh, is another like low carb IPA. I like the low carb IPA trend. It's just that I really don't get an IPA taste from them. It's what a would good, you call it's, them
1: if you don't call them IPA?
0: I know, but 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 it's it's like it it doesn't taste like a hoppy beer. You know what I mean? And it's almost like don't even brand it that way. Just brand it as you know, just a low carb beer that you can. They're
1: have. They, they're branding it IPA because that's going to make it sell. I mean, everybody's crazy about IPAs. Well, general public is crazy about IPAs.
0: I know. I'm just saying though, it doesn't, to me, they don't taste IPA-ish. They taste more like just a regular old session lager or something like that. But still, I'm happy that I'm drinking beer on a low-carb diet, which is good. I like that. Good stuff. (laughs) I'm actually going to open it real quick. Did you hear that? And the podcast has begun. I'm not going to... Oh, first off, I need to talk about, uh, as we said in the uh, podcast uh, number zero, uh, the prelude podcast, we are... Not spoiler-free. We are totally talking about every single thing in this book today. Um, Whenever we get to the movie episodes, whenever we get to the show episodes, we'll be doing the same thing. So today we're going to be discussing Claudia Gray's Master and Apprentice, and it is going to be chock full of spoilers. Just heads up: if you don't want to listen to this, cut it off. We totally understand if you don't want to. If you do plan on reading the book, because it is a great book, but we want to make sure you understand that we are pretty much going to tell you that Fanry is a total closer biatch, and uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just saying we are, we are, we are spoiler.
1: Make it to the end, so I didn't uh, you know. Now I'm guard.
0: I mean, you know, we were only like two minutes into the podcast and already spoiled the book. But, uh, but I'm just kidding. Uh, I'll, I'll probably. So this is a,
1: this is a review, is not a preview. Like, hey, the book's out. Maybe you want to go read it. No, this yeah, exactly. is exactly we're yeah. talking and, about the book. I,
0: I think that's one of the cool things about this podcast, though, in this project that we're doing is that we are not beholden to you know, a brand new movie that just came out and we don't want to spoil it for everybody and, you know, we want to make sure everybody can, you know, like where you beat around. The, like, like there's a lot of like Star Wars things that I'll, I'll see that are um, reviews and the people dance because the reviews come out, they they try to get the book, they try to read it, they try to, you know, be the first one on the net talking about it or whatever. And uh, I, I really like kind of where we are is that we're not doing that. We're just pretty much saying, hey, guess what? We're in doing that. Nope, we're not doing that at all. Oh, we, we should say, though, that um and, and we mentioned this, you know, in, in the first episode also, uh, go back and listen to that. Uh, and we did mention this in the first episode also, but we do feel that everybody that is listening to this has a basic understanding of star Wars via the movies. And we say that because we just kind of assume that you have that core competency. Is that, the, yeah, is that the, that's the, that's the word core competency that's, yeah, that's in, easy. in, in the movies themselves. And you're going on this journey with us to, learn a little bit more about the uh, more minutiae and, you know, the inner workings of uh, the canon. today is master and apprentice, Claudia Gray, Delray publishing. Um, should, should we start out saying like just a number, like a, like a one through 10 on these things or like, like, what what, how should we, I want to get rate the book. Yeah. Rate the book, literally rate the book at the very beginning of these things. Um, okay. Why not?
1: Yeah, let's well, do would I, I on a scale of one to 10. Okay. You are catching me a little bit off guard. Cause I have not thought about it in those terms, I would say
0: let me say this. Let me say this. Your uh, a family member gave you this book and said, read this book. They don't yes. say anything else. They don't say like it's a life changing book or anything like that. And they say, okay. I want you to give me a number one through a hundred. What would you give one
1: through a hundred now? One okay. through 100, yeah. so and, a hundred. Yeah. Oh, wait, to wait, wait,
0: wait, 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 off, wait, wait. First off, I want you to give your number of this book and then also give another piece of media that you would put at a hundred just so we got the John scale. Holy cow! That, yeah.
1: you're really putting me. Out. I am. Uh, Okay, so
0: um,
1: out of a hundred, this book would be would be way up there. I was gonna say an easy eight on the scale of one to ten,
0: okay. uh, maybe pushing
1: one. a nine. So I'm gonna go with a comfortable eighty-five.
0: Okay. Okay, and then what, and what even would, maybe even a little bit higher than that. I'll what say. would your hundred be? Like, What, like it what, what is come it? Come on, it's gonna have to be perfect piece of me. Come media. on,
1: Empire, Empire. I mean, duh, boring answer. Empire Strikes Back.
0: Okay, yeah, and I, I wasn't even looking for, it had to be Star Wars. I was just looking for, what what is your perfect story? Like, what is something that you consider just a perfect thing? You know, a perfect story, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Empire strength. All right, so, so you got Empire. Okay, fair enough, Empire respect. Um right. Star Wars, damn it. Yeah, it is, it is Star Wars. Okay, so I am maybe going just a little bit lower than you, but only because there was a couple of things in here that I kind of, thought were weird. Not not bad, just a little weird. But I'm going to go um, 78. That's
1: Okay. That's a little on the low side.
0: Yeah, and, and just to give you a thing, I'd put Empire at about 95, 96. What's wrong with it? Okay, this is <laughs> this is now a totally <laughs> oh, no, no, different no, no, podcast. That's, that's a different, that's that's a different podcast. We'll get to Empire at some point in 2027, 20, but I'm just saying... <laughs> that's 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 my scale is is yeah it's a good book it is a good book and and I'm very happy because whenever we started this project if we would got a bad book I think it really would have been like do we want to do this you know what I mean like we would have been like oh really like I
1: don't know that honestly I, I think that would have been a fun journey because it's always kind of fun to rip on things this is actually a pretty good book so I can't tear into it really too much
0: well let's jump into it let's jump into it okay so so um Where where should we start? I mean, let's start with some of the the newer characters that you're introduced to in the book. Uh, One of my favorite characters, I think, is Real Avros. He's he's a Jedi that came to the Jedi Order a little bit later uh, in his life and had to adapt a little bit differently. Ended up going uh, under the Master and Apprentice Mm -hmm. relationship uh, under Doku. And ended up becoming a really good sword fighter, and I think he's known for that. He's also known for being a little bit, um, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Orthodox? Yeah, unorthodoxed uh, a little bit. Easier Heavenly. with the Jedi rules. Yes. Um, no, not like a. I never saw him as like a Han Solo esque type. Like you got to do this. Like you know, like a wild card kind of guy. He was just kind of like a. This is the way I'm doing things you know the jedi council like me there's
1: but. a word there i'm i'm struggling to put my finger on it um cuz saying lax and slack and that's not that's not it it's i don't know what the proper word here is
0: relax because i mean the guy all right so so the core of the story and i'm just going to give you a little bit of the beginning of the story is that um there's a planet that has a young queen uh very similar to Amidala. uh she's i think i want to say like He goes and becomes her kind of consort, not consort. That's not the word I'm looking for. He goes and becomes her advisor. not her consort. not her consort. Sorry, that was really bad.
1: 13 years old. Yeah, sorry,
0: sorry, sorry. sorry. So he becomes her advisor uh, at a young age. I think it's like six or seven when she's like super, she's super young. And he becomes kind of not only like an advisor, but an ear for the Jedi, also kind of a protector, you know, of of last resort if, if something were to happen to her and oh so in in this planet now is getting uh they're going through some bargaining uh to so she is now uh about to sign some negotiations for what amounts to like a a space hallway a space uh, a a space (laughs) highway (laughs) sorry that's gonna that's gonna be remarkably good for the planet be remarkably good for the galaxy be remarkably good for the jedi the order everybody everybody's gonna benefit from this thing and the Jedi kind of want to see it happen because they know that outside of this planet, you know, they're going to have, you know, a, a lot uh, easier way to transport stuff back and forth. And then also on her planet, you know, it would now be somewhat of a hub. So, you know, hopefully that the the planet itself would advance, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, Rail was sent to this place uh, from he was from Ringo Vinda, I think was the original planet that he came from. Went, trained with the Jedi, trained with Doku, went through multiple wars, uh, fought with the Jedi. You know, they trust him. They just think he's just kind of a little different, I guess, is the best way to say it. But he goes and kind of becomes her advisor. And when the book starts, um, there's been some terroristic type things uh, happening. And the Jedi themselves are worried that this contract will not get signed because people are revolting on the planet themselves.
1: Rail makes the classic mistake of becoming emotionally invested in the person that he should be protecting.
0: And why is that, John?
1: Because he lost his Padawan uh, some years ago, actually. Was it, I forget, was it kind of recent or long in the past?
0: It was um, a, a good deal before if i remember right the jedi council um assigned him this because they thought that he needed to okay. go so back it was
1: and, yeah. yeah quite a few years ago yeah. all right uh regrets because it was his choice he he made a decision on how to handle the the crisis at the time which led to her death
0: right and, and he felt, so he felt he terrible about him. that and yeah, he, yeah and, and 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 he when he became the advisor to this i think that the jedi saw it as a way that he can kind of um, get back on his feet as a Jedi, that kind of thing, and then also played into your emotion thing, though having just lost his Padawan, uh, who was also female. It, I think that that uh, lends him to be more of a. I don't. Do you say father type figure? He never really struck me as a father type figure in the book. It was more of a. I'm a very No, very, I would.
1: I would say yeah, very fatherly. Would you say father? Um, that's just, how he viewed himself.
0: Yeah, I, I felt like he was like a, a very strict advisor, and I think he had been there so long on that planet as her advisor that he had just kind of learned to live the planet life. You know what I mean? Right. Yes.
1: I got a real strong fatherly vibe.
0: Okay, so you did get the fatherly vibe.
1: In that relationship, absolutely.
0: So so uh, Fannery is the princess, his charge, uh, who, who he's looking after and advising. And not only is this contract for the space corridor coming up, but also she will be attaining the crown, but then giving a lot of the political powers, powers yeah. back to the people whenever she gets the crown. So it's a big, it's a big to do. And in the Jedi want to make sure that everything's going well. This terroristic organization blows up a couple of spaceships around the planet and they're worried and Rail's worried. I think Rail contacts them and says, Hey, I, I don't know what's going on down here. You know, I need this whole thing to, to go through. We all need this whole thing to go through. Send me somebody. And he sends Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. So they come and jump into this, um, I don't want to say it's like a war or anything, but but it's an escalating conflict that they're very worried is going to take over the signing and the uh, christening and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, right when they get there, right, they immediately get involved as in you know, as the Star Wars way uh, in a space battle uh, and have to save a bunch of people doing some really strange religious
0: uh,
1: pilgrimage or something.
0: Yeah, it was like it was like a religious rite pretty much. Uh these big the reason
1: for them to be in trouble is what it was. Exactly. I was supposed
0: to be clear about this. And then um there's also some other bigger characters. There's Pax and Rahara, who are two thieves, I guess is the best way to say th- jewel thieves, that are jumping around uh, and just happen to land on this planet at this exact time. Uh, Rahara has a background with Zirker Corp. And Zirker Corp is uh, I've heard it mentioned before in other Star Wars canon stuff, but Circuit Corp is pretty much this major, powerful, all-wielding corporation that is pretty much going to also be a benefactor in getting this superhighway running through the planet.
1: That's kind of the secret, right? They are going to be the benefactor. They are behind uh, all of this. And the uh, agreement that Fanry is to sign would really just benefit
0: them. Yeah, pretty much. And and they have a person uh, on her team, really. I mean, they're sitting there advising her you know, along with Rail saying, hey, this is what, you know, you should probably do to, you know, for the benefit of your people, wink, wink, you know, you know, for Circa Corp. And I think she, she by she, she's aware Fanry, Princess Fannery is aware. And uh, also rail is aware that this is kind of a sneaky thing, but also they see it as a greater good that they kind of got to get through. It. Uh, so the two jewel thieves that I mentioned, though, previous Pax and Rahara, Rahara was a slave to Circa Corp. And, and the slavery dynamic in this book is kind of interesting because, Basically, the Republic has outlawed slavery uh, all over the galaxy, but certain corporations are still allowed to use slaves in certain instances. And this happens to be one of those instances in which Zerka Corp has slaves on the planet. Um, They're mining for stuff. Rahara happened to be a former Zerka worker that escaped. Um, and I'm making it sound like Pax and her are a part of the whole kind of crew on the planet. They're not. They're jewel thieves who just happen to come over here because of something that Pax, you know, found on a map.
1: We can get to that, but first, uh you're talking about the colon crystals, right? First, we need to, um right out of the gate, with this first book and our first podcast, let's address the issue—the very problematic issue of slavery in the Star Wars universe.
0: Yeah, it's a very weird thing because you know you see it in episodes one and two. With Anakin's bomb, and then you you get this feeling that it's slavery but it's a little tilted toward endangered servitude maybe I mean is, is that the best way to, that you would say it but then this book is full-on slavery I mean it is it's full what
1: well, okay yes but you remember in episode one uh where little Annie says you know uh they blow your head off if you if you wander off they they blow your your head yeah, clean off true. your body so that's a little more than that's know, not endangered um,
0: I take that back
1: it's pretty pretty brutal. Um and in this one you're right it's full on uh you are a sla- a literal slave to the down to having the a chip
0: Yeah, down to having a chip inside your arm. I mean you you are property of this corporation.
1: are property. Yes. And they will track you down and reclaim their property point in the future that they can.
0: Correct. And and there's and there's I don't even call it a a, a slavery undertone of this book. It's a very big part of this book. But again, the Jedi are kind of technically working with a corporation that does this. So there's this internal battle of not just the Jedi and the story, but the Jedi as a whole of how do we, how can we, how can we continue working with a corporation like this when the slavery is so obvious?
1: Answer is that you, you have to serve, I think, I forget who, who says where, but you have to serve the greater good. Basically we can't take on, um, we can't take on such a fundamental issue and do our jobs.
0: Yeah, and and one of the surprising things in the book to me is that whenever Qui Gon has these, well, whenever he has these visions, which we'll get into it in a little bit, but he also contacts the Jedi Council and says, "Hey, you know, this slavery is full blown slavery. How are we supporting this as Jedi?" Um, and of course, the the Jedi Council wants him to finish this governance treaty to get the hyperspace corridor going, and all this stuff just because it'll benefit more. And he goes to Yoda and literally is like hey, man, we got to stop this. I mean, we, we all understand that this is slavery. And even Yoda was kind of like, why should we get to... And let, let me read part of the book. Uh, so Qui-Gon's gone and said, hey, we need, to, we need to stop the Circa Corporate immediately right now. It's slavery's, you know, wrong. We all agree that slavery is wrong. Why are we supporting them? And he says, we, not the Chancellor, not the Galactic Senate, not even the people of the Republic, but the Jedi. Yoda thumped his gimmer stick on the floor. Want to rule, do you? Dangerous this is. And one who would join the council. Dangerous in any Jedi. And and it's really weird to hear Yoda say something of that nature. He also uh, he also had given some um, examples about other atrocious things that people in the in the universe do. Uh, know of the planet Uro? Do you devour their weakest children? They do. Or uh, what of this? When the elderly grow too old to regenerate? Or yeah, when the elderly grow too old to regenerate, they beat them to death. The absent do too to conserve their resources. And it's like it's like he's trying to prove that yeah. I know slavery's wrong. We all know slavery's wrong, but we kind of got to have it for right now because it benefits more people to have, you know, this hyperspace corridor and this, you know, industry and all this other kind of stuff. And that was a, a weird thing to me. And, and, it, and I couldn't tell if it was supposed to show that, you know, even wise Yoda is going to be wrong sometimes, or if that's just the way he had to work through politics and you never saw that side of Yoda. You know what I mean? I,
1: I think I know exactly what that is. I look at that as uh, the author answering back uh we the reader uh i certainly wanted qui-gon to to say what are we doing here why are we supporting slavery and so that's the the reader confronting the author and the author is basically saying there are bigger concerns wider concerns and if we just stop and deal with the issue of slavery that's all the book's going to be about
0: i see what you're saying so it was more of a, a muse or like a progression of story type thing
1: and I, it's perfectly valid. I'm not discounting it. I think it's actually very well done. That's one of the reasons why I think this book is is very well written. Uh, the author is able to answer the reader's concern at a good point uh, with an answer that makes sense. You, you're and, right. And, There's and only the, so much you can do.
0: Yeah, and one that's pivotal to the story because it plays into what happens next, and and right. with Qui Gon and how he it, makes right. It
1: family. totally fits into the tapestry of the story. So it's it is well done. Very Good. Good job. Yeah.
0: All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. It It's it outside me as of the time. That,
1: yeah. Outside of that. Outside of that, I, I think that, that we still have to uh, talk about the issue of slavery because correct me if I'm wrong. In the original trilogy, is there any any mention of this, of slavery existing? Or is it just that we remember in episode one, it's totally a thing. And so now we just associate the Star Wars universe with, well, yeah, they got slaves.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I like I'm trying to think back. And again, this podcast is for people who have seen the movies and enjoy the movies, but not to it. To canon. You know, it, it may be part of the larger Star Wars universe a lot more than we realize. I was a Hutt, I had slaves. Yeah, true. I, I had mean, slaves. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So, I, so I, I guess there is there has been slavery even in the original movies, too. So, I mean, yeah. I, yeah.
1: It's a thing, okay. It's it, is it, yeah. remember, I, I Java had it. It's a thing. Sure. Yeah,
0: I, I think it's a thing too. I, I think it's part of the universe. And okay, so so also let's go back. Uh, so we also need to talk about the fact Kenobi is seventeen years old in this. Okay, so uh, speaking of people who are wise, who you start to see kind of some faults going on with uh, Yoda being the one that I just mentioned. But so Kenobi's seventeen; he's young. Um, so the master-apprentice dynamic applies all throughout this book multiple times. You've got Obi Wan, Qui Gon, Jinn. Qui-Gon Jinn and Doku, because Qui-Gon Jinn was uh, the Padawan to Doku. Rail Avaros, who was another Padawan to Doku. So they both uh, were taught under Doku. Uh, Yoda and Doku, because Doku was the Padawan for Yoda. Um, was Yoda's Padawan, maybe I should say. Uh, it, and, and you get this really weird Master and Apprentice vibe, but you see inside the book how everyone is just so different in the way that they either teach or in the way that they learn or in the way that they're... Groomed, I, I guess is maybe the best way to say it. it, it it's a very weird problem. Like, so, so let, let's go back and make sure we understand. So, Rail Avaros is kind of the, kind of the. I, don't, I hate using the word bad boy, because he's not. He's a, he's a he's a good Jedi. He's doing a good job. It's just that he's a little bit different than most Jedi that you think of. Um, Qui Gon Jinn inside this book, you really start to see because even in the first, uh, you know, watching Episode One, you see his, um, his amazement around the prophecies with anakin uh you know finding anakin all that kind of stuff and then you know that he's kind of this prophecy kind of guy but in this book you really learn like he is way into it And, and almost to the point that it's a fault for him with other jedi like other jedi they trust him but it's also like why? why is the why are the jedi so against studying the prophecies maybe that's the best way to ask the question
1: it is a very curious question. You have a big split in apparently in the Jedi Order between the Jedi who believe in the prophecies and the Jedi who, I guess, how to phrase that they don't they don't disbelieve them. They think that it's kind of a weird thing to look at And the future. It's like was a
0: ninety-five-five at- split, though. Like it's like a, it's like oh, yeah. everybody was taught, don't worry about the prophecies. Yeah, they're there, but don't worry about them. You know what I mean? And about, then, yeah, don't worry about it. And don't then, don't. then Doku who who is way into the prophecies like way into the prophecies and then when rail becomes his padawan um i think rail is just kind of like i don't really care you know like it's not that i don't believe you or whatever you know just yeah we, we i don't really care about them i'm not gonna study them and then you know and then uh qui-gon's the complete opposite he dives right into him and starts saying too much to where doku even is like dude you gotta stop you know like you can't get too far into this because there's you know some really bad things you're gonna find in here and really powerful things that you're going to find in here that may make you you know, bend the other way. So, you know, it, it's like this really weird thing that the Jedi council just doesn't want to acknowledge them. And, you know, they eventually lead to, you know, some pretty dark stuff coming, but in the movies, but it, it's just kind of like, a it's a weird thing for them to be so standoffish about them. Maybe that's the best way to say it. Yeah.
1: And again, I, I think uh, to me, it was the author looked at episode one where Qui-Gon believes in the prophecy. And she felt the need, uh, and I think it's it's a good it was a good instinct to flesh that out to c- color in his background. That
0: yeah,
1: the reason he be- he is chasing the the prophecy is believes in the prophecies, and he okay, so he he had a master who also believed in prophecies. That just you know kind of paint by numbers in, in a way, and that's that's diminishing it. I don't mean to. It's tying threads together. Yeah, in a way but that yeah, makes sense. it's, it's not, not paint by numbers.
0: Yeah, I I like like your giving background. I think that's a good way to look at it, too. It's fleshing him out more. Um, One of the things, though, that that strikes me as weird, though, and it's not anything with uh, the writing of the book, but there's the point where Qui-Gon Jinn, in the book, starts having visions, and he starts having visions of something that could catastrophically happen during the ceremony um, and the governance tree signing and all this other stuff, and... He makes his visions known, and he he feels that they're completely different than dreams. Like, he's like, These, this is something that's going to happen. You know, I, there, there's a, there's a, something is telling me, you know, the Force is telling me in this specific way that something's going to happen. I need to prepare for it. And then he goes to talk to the Jedi Council, and the Jedi Council does this, like, weird 180 to where they're like, don't worry about the prophecies, don't worry about the prophecies, don't worry about the prophecies. Oh, you had a vision? Well, wait a second, maybe we need to investigate this a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, it was, it was a weird, it was a weird plot point to me. How'd you feel? Right.
1: Uh, honestly, it, it that was kind of like a not even a speed bump. But it didn't really make much an impression on me.
0: Really? Yeah, I just felt like I just felt like they they think that he's kind of like crazy for the prophetical stuff, and then suddenly they're like, "Oh, you had a vision, though? Well, let's talk about this vision." Or at least Yoda is okay.
1: Like- if they reacted the, uh, differently, like you had a vision, so what? Over. That's that's contrary to I think a lot of people's understanding of the Jedi. It's like you wait. You're mystical sword fighter guys. You you're not gonna take that seriously.
0: Yeah, agreed. No, no, I I agree. It's just it, it was a very weird way for them to to discount the prophecy. I felt like they discounted the prophecies a lot up until the point that he had a vision, and then they're like, "Oh, well, this could be a prophecy." You know what I mean? Like you'd be really good, and it's just kind of I don't know. It felt weird to me. So so, how did you feel about the dynamic between Obi wan and Qui Gon Jinn?
1: I thought you'd never ask. Okay, so. <laughs> We were just talking about how I felt like uh, the author uh, was, was in the backstory. Um, so this definitely, in fact, I've got um, a page for you on page two ninety. This again, to me was the author um, explaining herself, explaining the book. And it's the paragraph right in the middle where it says, Obi-Wan felt queasy. Padawans weren't supposed to be more objective than their masters. Their masters were meant to guide them to always be the stronger, surer ones. This dynamic had been reversed. Okay? Right there. And we see that in episode one. Again, um, many people have commented on that, that that the dynamic there was completely backwards. She used that dynamic in this book and tried to explain it. And it makes sense, you know, the way she explained it. That he, uh, that Obi-Wan was rebellious and so they assigned him to a basically rebellious master so that he would rebel against rebellion and become a an upstanding straight-laced Padawan. Believe that or not, that, that's the explanation.
0: And then you layer in Anakin on top of that, and it's just like, well, damn. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, this is... Well, the, well damn. The, the misfits line up. It's just like one of those kind of things. Yeah, it, yeah. but You know, it was... It was interesting at times. I don't want to say that I felt like uh, Obi Wan questioned a lot, but I think he's questioning a lot just because he's just now starting out, you know, as a Padawan. So, so like, I liked it, and I liked how sometimes he was very self assured about himself, but other times I was just kind of like, "Dude, this is your master. You gotta, you gotta kind of like bend a little bit." You know what I mean? Like, like you can't hate the guy. You know, I, I felt like I, I shouldn't say hate. Hate's a strong word for him and his relationship. Least anger. Yeah, you just felt angry all the time, and it's just like, dude, get your get your teenage years out, you know, like dress golf for a while or something and be cool. But you know, it's just it, yeah, it was remembering
1: uh, how old he is that does start It was getting a little irritating. It's like, what, what's your problem? He he told you to go do the thing. Just go do the thing. I mean, no, like you yeah, said, master. master, yeah, just yeah. go do it. Yeah. Who do you think you are? Anyway, at the same time, he was trying to be a good Padawan. He was trying to be um, the kind he of person to be, who wait, would he, turn he, into he was, a, he was trying Jedi.
0: to be a good Jedi. He was trying to, he was trying to, say it that straight, way. straight, straight path. Like he was trying yes. to follow the rules.
1: Yes. But Qui-Gon. <clears throat> better way to, that's a better way to say it.
0: Yeah. But Qui-Gon, but Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon grew up around Doku and, and kind of rebelling a little bit against the rules. So, I mean, so his take on the way he should do stuff was always, I'll feel what's right and I'll know what's right. And I think, I think Obi-Wan just had a really hard problem figuring that out or at least allowing that to happen maybe. And he does toward the end though. I mean, that's, that's. That's that's one thing I think he picks up on that's one thing I think he learned from this entire I'll call it an episode, this entire book, this entire story, is that sometimes you do have to kind of feel outside and not worry about the Jedi codes as much.
1: Well that yeah, sure. Just building experience in general, yes.
0: Okay, so I've already ruined it. I ruined it in like the first like, you know, three minutes of the podcast. But how did you feel about the Fanry Reveal?
1: I I want to say, I really, really do want to say that I totally saw that coming. No, I didn't see that coming. I, really I didn't did, see it coming. I, I don't I mean, either. No. They do hint at it, or the author hints at it quite a bit. Uh, the The whole concept in the society of the the plain clothing, uh, the plain um, cities, if you will, that you can't really see—they're covered in trees and stuff. But it, if you go beneath, you know, when they open up the robes, for example, and and it's the clothing inside that is elaborate and bejeweled and what have you. Uh, that first of all, that was that was very neat. I thought that was a really neat idea, and it's hinting to. There's more than meets the eye, right? So after the fact, it was an aha moment, I see what you were trying to tell me, but beforehand, no, i I
0: did not see that She does a very good job too, of setting up the peripheral characters around Fanry to where you could expect any of them to, you know, be knives out and you yes. know do the deed. you really you really sit there and you're like, okay, which one is it? you know, like and, and there's different um you know, Captain Duran, uh, there's just different different people that you're just kind of like okay this is the person that's going to do it and then when it's her you're just kind of like okay you know it's surprising um i think that it was weird that she had such command of a huge spaceship after rail not knowing anything about it like you you understood that rail was blindsided because of um he, he could never see bad in her because of his padawan the way he viewed her as like a kind of a surrogate for the padawan but even obi-wan and Qui-Gon Jinn didn't have anything, any feeling about it beforehand.
1: Right. Besides the uh, the vision. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Other than the vision itself, it's just kind of like a, well, even then though, he didn't know it was fanry from the vision. He just knew that it was something was going to happen. Right. It was a, bl- a lot of blood. Vague as visions always are.
1: Yeah, I know. But visions anyway. really could just say, that's the bad guy. And it would be so much more clear cut, but visions, it'd be a lot easier. Yeah. Visions. Hey, don't visions ever do that? I I don't know why when you know, when the ghost appears to you, they just don't tell you the truth. It's a Yeah, Vader's your father, like- you know, you yeah, know, deal with it.
0: <laughs> but yeah, it, her going from, okay, now I am no longer going to be princess. You know, I'm going to be straight up queen. I'm going to have my own battleship fleet. You know, we're ready to do this. And then suddenly she's on this huge ship, you know, running the ship pretty much. It was just a weird transition to me a little bit. Well, you
1: could say that it actually was a weird transition to characters themselves because that's how it ends, right? Yeah. Somebody beside her says, uh, what you want to do? What? I don't think so. You're out of power. Yeah. Okay. That actually, you know, that, that, that might, might be complimenting the book in a way that even you did not understand.
0: Maybe so. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not arguing against that. It was just like a, So and even even to begin with, you always thought that Katie, uh, that was the name of the server, wasn't it, Katie, Um, that that she that she was going to be a bad she was she was one of those peripheral characters. So I was just like, oh, yeah, you got to keep an eye on her. You know what I mean? Like, she's going to be one that kind of stacks up. And then when Henry, you know, gets out of everything and she's like, hey, no, we're running the show now. We're doing this whole thing my way. Uh, Katie's there beside her. And then I think it was Katie at the very end, you know, who's just like, nope, it's not the way we're working with this, you know. Um, we haven't talked about Pax and Nahar all that much. We, they felt like side characters to me. They were both interesting, but also so Pax was like a he was a human, but he grew up on a ship full of c three droids,
1: which was yeah, we're a, gonna have to talk about that. okay.
0: yeah, yeah. so 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 he has this like non-empathetic kind of way about him that that he doesn't really understand human emotion all that well because he grew up with robots, which is a neat way to a, a neat way to have a character and introduce a character, in my opinion.
1: It's a neat way to have a character, but it suffers from what I'm going to call the tangled problem, which is if you're a girl brought up from a baby, all alone in a tower. Oh, okay, I okay. You're going to come out as a psychotic, broken, sociopathic. There's no way a normal, charming uh, Disney princess comes out of such a, a childhood. I'm sorry, that's just not going to happen. And likewise, a person being brought up by the neurotic. Uh, lovable uh, characters that we know of, C. 3 those those types of characters, you're not going to be a functioning human, in my opinion.
0: Or maybe you come out like Pax. Like I, I don't, you know, I don't know. You're, you're going to live. It was, it's you're going it's, to be it's, taught it's, how to communicate. You're going to live. You just don't know emotions. You don't know feelings for people like that. That's was, that is what I thought his character was, wasn't it?
1: But no, it it was, but it's using what I would consider to be a deeply dramatic. Uh, experience to provide a little interest to a character. It's a common uh, author's trick in my, in my opinion. Uh, And I'm just, I'm I'm joking a little bit that you don't really, when you assign a background like that to someone, you don't fully appreciate you, you probably ruined that guy's entire life, but we're just going to use it as a little bit of food coloring to give him some color.
0: I I did have to say that whenever I was reading the part about his upbringing, that the food coloring was even more blander, I think, because, each of the C-3PO droids had like one letter change between all of them. Did you notice that whenever you're reading? I'll have to find a piece in the book. But um, basically like there's like a a 3 C-3PD and a C-3PE and an F. And I'm like, you know, there well, had to be more than... Are they
1: supposed be part of a series? They, you know, I mean, come on, you're going to name... No, 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 they, no, they are. But I'm saying
0: if, this, if what, what is this, what is this, do we go to Hex? Like, what, what does this ship do if it's got more than 26 C-3 droids? Like, are we, it wasn't, <laughs> it, it, you see what I'm saying? It, it was just kind of like a... Okay. That's, that's a weird way to name your droid. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It was weird. And, and,
1: and uh, yeah. Okay. So this little jump ahead, this little boy in the middle of nowhere on a desert planet builds one of these machines. Um, yeah, yeah. It's basically useless to his mother, his slave mother. He builds a useless thing. And he names it exactly the same way as apparently all other such droids are in a galaxy. Okay.
0: Yeah. Eight years later, only eight years later. Or he probably started working on him before the movie, before the actual Phantom Menace, you know. So he was probably working on him for... I think he says it in the movie, if I remember right. He's like, yeah, this is my C3 joint. I've been working on him for two years or something like that. But still, yeah, it was odd. It, it was an odd thing. I, I, you know, I, I, it lent itself to the way that Pax handles himself in the book, which was pretty good. And, of course, Rahara's got the background of the slavery, escaping the slavery, the hate for this Zerka Corp. Um, she was a good character, too. I don't think that they they were just kind of like sitting on the sidelines most of the time and just happened to be in the right spots at the right time, which, you know, carried the story on, but you know, they they could have been fleshed out a little bit more. Do you agree with that?
1: Uh, I do. Um, At the same time, I'm, I'm aware and I acknowledge that she fits the, the damaged girl trope. Yeah. Agreed. Which is why she's here in the first place. Yeah. Um, Someone would have to have a reason to be in that situation. So hers. We, we learned that, yeah, she's a slave. She broke out.
0: Was. was. Yeah. Was a slave. It was, was a slave. Yeah. She was a slave. Okay. Uh,
1: and she broke out. Uh, and actually I don't remember. Do you remember how she, how she got away?
0: I don't, I remember it talking about how she removed her chip
1: and that yeah, was digging normal, it out. Yeah. That's uh, a horrible
0: I, thing. But other than that, I don't remember. Really how she so let's talk about, let's talk about the fool's goal part of the book. And in, in I shouldn't call it fool's goal because, um, do you want to give us maybe a little bit of background on Colon?
1: Uh, background on it,
0: I can tell you that it's or from the book, from the book. I mean,
1: yeah, it's um, it's a, a pretty much a universe shattering uh substance that would really, if you stopped and thought about it, change everything we know about
0: Star Wars. That's a that's a How good summary. So, so, so basically, Pax and Rahara end up going to this planet in search of kyber crystals because they feel like the planet. Based on some mathematical modeling, or something that that Pax did in his head at the very beginning of the book, they felt like this planet would be a huge place that they could buy kyber crystals. Of course, the material that that um, Jedi make their lightsabers from, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then maybe sell that on either the black market or sell it back to the Jedi. They just so they just figured that if they found a bunch of kyber crystal, they could make some money. So basically, that's the reason that they're coming to this planet. Well, they found something, I guess, with kind of the same signature uh, for scanners because they they were all impressed about being able to find this huge thing, of Kyber, but it ends up being something called colon. And I'm I'm eager to know if this is the first time that's been used in star Wars or not, because it felt like it was introducing like a new idea. But again, I don't know yeah. other than the movies. I don't know that much about it, but the colon um, was like a fool's gold. It, it was like, it was like a, like a Kyber's full gold it, it, is that you couldn't use it inside um, anything, you know, that they knew of. And then it, it wasn't really, It looked a lot like Kyber, but it wasn't, and it didn't sell for anything. So basically, they find these people that have built these weapons uh, in the book that defend against lightsabers. And upon further, you know, research and all this other stuff, and and they're a whole kind of edge army in the book. They figure out that what they're doing is actually using the colon um, against. The lightsabers and i think that's exactly where you're going with like what the hell this happened eight years before phantom menace and and we're just now hearing about it like that's a
1: big shock in the book when when something stops the lightsaber this this thing which established in episode one can basically cut through everything yeah Yeah, it, it can cut through anything and everything and here is this thing that it just bounces off of like a like a stupid stick and I, I would argue that that is a, a world-changing invention because I don't think it's been mentioned anywhere else. I got the impression, I, I can't speak definitively, but I got the strong impression from the book that this was an introduction. You know, hey, there's this colon thing because I have to have something that brings these two characters into the story. And it's also going uh, to work uh, at the end so that Qui-Gon's vision comes true. And yet there's a, there's a way out of it, you know, that kind of thing.
0: Like reading it in the book, I thought, oh, OK, yeah, that's like a, you know, a neat like kind of like thing for this book or what have you. But I never thought of it as uh, like an earth shattering or universe shattering type thing in Star Wars, though. I mean, yet yeah, it does kind of make more sense because at the point in this book, somebody's already weaponized it. You know, it's already being used. And and honestly, uh, and one thing we should talk about, too, is on Master Apprentice, um, the normal uh, paperback and hardback uh, book jacket or not book jacket, but the actual like cover is really cool. Really cool picture. I, I, I'm a big fan of it, but go look out. They had a, um, like a, I think it was like a master and apprentice, like a special edition or something like that. And we'll post this on the discord server and in the show notes. Um, this cover was amazing, but in that cover, you can actually see the shields and stuff that we're talking about are made of this colon, right? Cause those are the ones that that were blocking, you know, them whenever they were fighting, uh, on the moon, I think it was the moon of the planet. And, uh, yeah.
1: And then at the end, in the, yeah. In and the, then at the
0: end, yeah. In the, in the big room order where that know, final was to do. Um, so yeah, yeah you, now that you mentioned it, that is a pretty good thing. Yeah. Like why is this not used more outside of just this planet? Not...
1: <laughs> because apparently, um, uh, right, right up to uh, the events of this, no one knew this, that this jewel had this kind of property. Um, I think it may have been a uh, kind of hinted at no one cared, but, again, episode two establishes that the Jedi are all over the place. I mean, the Jedi are not really that rare, at least to the characters in in the the story that we're dealing with. So if the Jedi are everywhere and they're known as basically this supernatural police force, something like coal and crystals would be a highly, and they do, do mention this in the book, would be highly, highly valuable. Now, it's supposed to be, quote-unquote, worthless, because, uh, unless I'm mistaken, it doesn't stop the things that a normal shield would stop, like blaster fire. Is that correct?
0: Right. Yeah, that's, well, uh, it's never explicitly said, but that's what I thought, was that it's specifically for lightsabers.
1: Specifically for lightsabers. The the
0: properties of the colon, like, balance the lightsaber, like like the kyber.
1: So, I don't know, maybe you could dump them up, and so you'd have a, a shield that would... Block lightsabers. Apparently, you know a, a your number one enemy if you're trying to be a bad guy. Uh, you're the Jedi lightsaber, and then you'd have a regular shield to block uh, blasters and all that stuff. This is not complicated, right? You could totally have both. And for that matter, the Jedi could have dual wielding, where one's Kyber, one's colon, just in case. That that gets to um, and not specifically her fault okay it's really tough being an author and when you're an author and you introduce a new story element it's really really easy to not realize what you've just done has broad implications well, so
0: so and, and i'm not an expert on this or anything but i do i'm pretty sure that i've heard other people on twitter talk about how there is a council like at i guess disney star wars film, that the authors all run their material through and this does like the more you talk about it, like the more I, i'm thinking of ways to use it i'm like yeah you're kind of right like 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 this kind of had to in my opinion probably went up the chain at disney you know and was like yeah you can include that that's fine it does that so it's kind of like a whoa so somebody knows about this and, and we haven't seen it in any other that i'm aware of any of the movies um i don't know maybe once we get into the tv shows maybe it's talked about or used a little more there's like a
1: never, a never underestimate. And, and there could be and that would that would be a, good, a satisfying answer. Yeah. never underestimate uh, the power of even a small group of of people, uh, fans, semi-fans, just people with active imaginations, to come up with crazy uses for things that you thought were very straightforward,
0: yeah. now that you mentioned it, it does seem a little bit powerful. I, it's gonna be interesting. Let, yeah, i I think we should temper ourselves and let's hold let's hold our judgment about it about colon crystals until either a they're mentioned again. If they're not mentioned again, then something's up. Um, but
1: at this point, no, I can definitely go along with, I thought it was actually really cool, really neat that finally something stands up to, uh, the all powerful lightsaber and not only stands up to it, but you know, they're, they're completely useless. That, that was a neat touch.
0: Yeah, it was. And and, and yeah, the more I'm like thinking about it though, like I said earlier, like the more I'm kind of like, yeah, that is a very powerful thing. And there wasn't, it didn't sound like there was... A scarcity to them any more than regular Kyber, you know what they I mean?
1: They were all they he thought they were going to be fabulously wealthy because of how much there was,
0: yeah. And he, I think in certain parts, he talks, he's in that cave and he sees it and he's like, Oh my gosh, and then he's like, Wait a minute, this is all you know, colon. And by him, I mean Pax, basically, he's kind of the the one that's that's uh moving him and Rahara around in the ship trying to find uh the what they think is Kyber, but ends up being colon. Uh, what, what did you think about the afterward? I thought the afterward was pretty well done
1: afterward, um, you mentioned that just a little bit ago. And so I had to very quickly look it up. Um, but yes, that gets to, uh, it, it has a place here, but at the same time, uh, I'm always a little bothered, uh, because earlier in the book, they throw out some other, some other, uh, call outs. So I'm always a little bothered by, um, blatant fan service. Like when Fanry, um, they're saying that she's young to be a queen and she says there are queens on Naboo that are just as young as I am. I mean, okay. Uh, What? What? It just so happens she throws out the one planet that we we know, Nebu. It it gets a little much when you're dealing with a galaxy of possibly millions of worlds, and the same ones keep coming up from characters that are not necessarily directly related. Yeah. yeah, I I know. What I, is I, your what is your take on that about seeing? Uh, and and I gotta I gotta say that the, the I, I don't mind media it. I, guys.
0: I don't think it bothers me as 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 much as it might bother you. Like I like I I I get it and I see it sometimes and I'm kind of like okay, like when she did the the Naboo, like oh I could be the 14 year old you know like Queen of Naboo. I was like oh, okay yeah that's you know that's setting up maybe something down the line. And I thought maybe in this book that you know it has to do with Padme, but it's not. I, um, I can't
1: read that as anything other than a call out. Yeah, it Here's was a thing, you know, it, it Here's was a thing, you know, Yeah,
0: it, it was a call. out. I agree, but it doesn't I don't know. It doesn't really bother me. I'm just kind of like, ah, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's oh, she may know Padme or she wants to be like Padme.
1: It, we OK, just well, maybe before. we have another
0: book somewhere down the line where Padme is like, hey, I heard there was this like princess two years younger than me that shot a up call a back at that restri- point. Yeah, yeah, call back. Yeah. Shut up a planet, destroyed everything. I don't want to be like her, you know what I mean? Like kind of a Get back.
1: No, no, you brought you brought up this page it was 270, 275, 276, 27... When when the author was answering the question of slavery, and she said, you know, what oh, about yeah. planet Uro? Right? Well, I don't yeah. know what that planet is, but it was a it was a great example, it was something I'd never heard of, and it and it added to the story. Agreed. That's what I'm saying. You don't have to keep going back to the same. You know, uh, uh, characters in your toy chest,
0: okay. I, I understand, I understand where you're coming from. <laughs> I'm not sure it bothers me as much as it bothers you, but I, no, I it clearly doesn't, doesn't bother you as much. It, it doesn't, I, I don't, you know, I sometimes when there's stuff that's so, so we've already said we're talking about movies here too because we've all, we've all seen the movies. There's some blatant stuff that I'm kind of like, oh, like when, when Leia gives or whenever Chewie gives them, gets the medal from Leia at the end of episode nine or not the end, but toward the end. You're
1: not talking about that yet. That is way. I know, but,
0: but I'm just saying that's, that's the ones where I'm just kind of, it's not, it doesn't bother. me. That was it's blatant. It's not, I know, I know. know. I'm just talking about that. No, 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 we're not gonna talk about it. I'm just saying to me, that's, fan service that's a little bit groanable to me like where i'm just kind of like oh. okay but look at it this way
1: if if she but has this, said there are, said... are there are wait wait, <laughs> if they're there she said there, there are they're qu- uh queens on fingala that are just as young as me to me that's way better because then you're like wait wait fingala what's up with fingala i bet that's a really cool planet right it makes you it engages you whereas a call out to naboo is just uh, okay sure that, that's what I'm saying. And that's what makes um, we're not talking about the original trilogy yet, but that's what makes episode one and episode two, uh, episode, one, episode four and episode five, especially powerful because there was so much you did not know. And you, the, the reader, the consumer, were able to fill in those gaps with far more interesting stories. That's getting I to a much deeper issue just saying she said the word naboo
0: and there were others i can't remember right now and what just what are the other ones i'm trying to think now like i'm trying to go through it in my head like trying to remember if i if i if there was anything else that i caught on to and it, back uh, back, to our original, back to our original conversation about the afterward though i thought it was i thought it was well done i thought it showed the whole book shows a different side of obi-wan and qui jen's relationship and then you see at the you know at the end it's not closure but it but it's like a it's like a he understands as he gets older that stuff, ha- you know, like that you have to adapt to situations and stuff like that. And he certainly did, you know, at the time that the funeral for Qui Gon happening. But it wasn't bad. It was, it was pretty good. I don't really look at that as a fan service callback. Do you really do? Afterward? Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Overall, um,
1: overall, no. Because okay. it fits in with the story that she was trying to convey. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And it does, it's a nice little. Um, Honestly, it's like uh, the the Marvel scenes, the mid credit and end credit scenes. Agreed, a little, agreed. Yeah.
0: Like a little teaser kind of thing, not a teaser, but but like a like a here's some extra stuff that
1: some extra stuff that kind of fills out a little bit of a dark corner you didn't really know about. Yeah, uh, or expands a, a scene that maybe you you only saw at the beginning of. That's perfectly fine. But um, so so in a way, yeah, I was wrong to jump off on the that's fan service because I don't really mean that. But what did bug me was earlier in the book, and I'll I'll try to go up uh, back and look up some of those other examples. Um. The, but obviously the Naboo one really, really stuck out on me.
0: Yeah. The Naboo, I, I remember the Naboo one and you didn't, you, you didn't remind me of it. Like, like, well, you reminded me of it, but you didn't explicitly say that one. Like that's, that's the one that I thought of in my head and I can't think of any other ones right now either.
1: We'll go find them for you <laughs> and then they will
0: annoy you. And just a note to the readers, we're actually f- reading physical books for this. We've, we've, we've purchased paperbacks and, and we're really going through. So when we say like page 277, it's probably not the same if you're reading it on an ebook, but also too, uh, to our, um, terrible uh, luck we also have to find stuff in a physical book if so i could have controlled f this by now <laughs> I know, I, yeah that's the bad part is that we could just be, pull this thing up on kindle and be like control r and see like you know like, but yeah so we I'm
1: exercising to, brain muscles yeah, that i've so not you know is, had to exercise for a while basically, like hey, what
0: yeah basically as i read i take notes on little bitty index cards now i'm just going to start sticking the index cards and have 50,000 bookmarks in the book
1: that's a good idea. I like that to, idea.
0: Yeah. To 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 make sure I, I keep all these uh, yeah, steal right. that idea and claim it as my own. All right. I have one last question before we go. Uh, does this does this story make you think that Doku is a more interesting character or less interesting character?
1: Slightly more interesting, um, but again, um, ah, this you can't say this is fan service. It is. It is a bit of backgrounding when he's in um, uh, confronting the. Or kills or not kills, but confronts the um the, the assassin person that's about to kill Raya. Is that Rail? Is he trying to kill Rail? I think it was real. Yeah, yeah, I think it was real. And he comes in with the lightning, you know, the force lightning. Um, and there's a hint of it before that too, I think. At the, the first hint of it was did seem to be um like kind of a fan service y thing, but then when he uses it directly to save his uh his Padawan. Uh that made perfect sense. I'm not gonna call that fan service, but it clearly is um backgrounding that he he turns to the dark side. You know, he is turning to the dark side.
0: Yeah, agreed. And and I think that I was gonna say the answer to my question is that it makes me a lot more interested in him because you see him as a Jedi and you see him toying with different parts of the prophecy. And the interesting thing to me was whenever uh Qui-Gon was researching the Holocron or a Holocron or something. Uh, and and even at the point which you probably think that Doku has already kind of started to turn against the Jedi, um, he goes to to Qui Gon though and is like, "Don't read this anymore. Like, don't, like you got to stop. You can't get into this too far because, you know, to him he's probably thinking you may end up like me, where I'm about to jump jump ship and you know become an evil awesomeness." But he is still seeing good in Qui Gon Gen. He's like, "Just don't get too far into it. As in, like you can turn you know kind of br- bad later on." kind of brad you could turn into brad brad's a terrible guy <laughs> don't, don't turn into brad don't, don't whatever into brad. you do yeah, whatever you do don't turn into brad but if you want to keep reading this prophecies go for it but uh yeah so so it was a, it was an interesting thing to me because uh, it felt like doku knew he was going to be kind of turning and leaving the jedi and becoming you know this this enemy you know uh, of the state but yet he also sees that qui-gon jinn is still like kind of a good guy and is like just don't follow my path. You know what I mean? Like it was kind of a neat moment for me. I like, I like Doku. I think Doku is a really interesting character. I think this see, book definitely I didn't made see, more.
1: I didn't see it quite the same way. I, I thought he was saying, I'm going, I'm going to, cause this seems to be a theme, right? I, I'm going to explore the dark side just a little bit and I will be fine. But you, you stay back. Cause you can't handle it. I can no, handle it. I, I,
0: no. Cause see, I, I think that he, after having rail as a Padawan, I think he sees Qui-Gon Jinn as like this kid gets it. Like, not not like like Rail was like the the big bad hulky fighter guy that just he was he was an awesome on the battlefield and he was a commander, you know, except for the Padawan thing. But but other than that, he was like this kind of fighter guy that didn't care much about prophecy or learning or education or anything like that. Whereas I think he sees um, Qui-Gon as like this really learned kid that's really into studying that really wants to know this kind of stuff. And I took I took that as, as, a, as a don't go down the path that I did. You know, like I've studied this, but it's leading me to darker places. I don't want you to go down. That's what, that's what I took from it. It's funny oh, that you, no, it's, it's funny that you took a completely different take on it.,
1: but only in the sense that you think at the time he was thinking, "Don't follow me, I'm going to be a bad guy." that That, I thought it was, I'm going to research this because I, I can handle it. I'm still good in my head. but but you can't handle it. you stay back.
0: You yeah, thought maybe, I, maybe at that moment yeah, yeah, he was, he was committed.
1: I'm a bad guy. Yep. I'm a bad guy, but you don't be a
0: bad guy. I don't know. See, I think, I think that the book leads you to, or at least it led me to believe that Doku was always kind of contemplating leaving the Jedi. Like he was, all, cause even after, even after he's left in this book and, and they talk about it, how rail and Qui-Gon Jinn are like, yeah, nobody has heard from him for the last five or 10 years, you know, which turns out to be different, but it was like, he, he had already left the Jedi order. Like, I think, like, I think, it was, I want to say it was five years before this book
1: not disputing that. He no, was, but, he what was I'm, but what I'm saying is that
0: thinking about the math, I mean, that means that like 15 years ago, if he's looking at these holocrons, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I got to look at the age of Qui-Gon.
1: Maybe you didn't mean to to portray it this way, but you portrayed it as he consciously said, I'm going to be evil. And I just don't think that I didn't get maybe, that oh, sense.
0: Yeah, and maybe... maybe think
1: people do that. They're, maybe, they're not maybe saying, evil. yeah, I'm
0: going to be evil now. <laughs> maybe, not, maybe not evil is the right word, but I'm going to leave the Jedi Order.
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I do not disagree with that, but, but it was, I think it's more of the, more of the case. And I've already said this a couple of times now, so I'm retreading, but, but yeah, you know, I'm going to explore this. I will be okay. I'm, I'm not turning evil. I'm just, just checking things out, but you, you stay back. You can't handle it. That, that's the sense the take I got from, from those scenes.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I, yeah, mine was different. Mine was, mine was definitely like, he's known for a while he was leaving. And this was him kind of like getting kind of Qui-Gon, To not follow the same path, but yet he was already all in this holocron. He's already up in the holocron's business.
1: You mentioned uh, Rail and his Padawan, so there's something I forgot to mention earlier, and that is another world-changing technology, the Slicer Dart. Oh, the
0: Slicer Dart, yeah. Yeah.
1: That's a huge mistake. There's no way around that one. You can say... they They didn't
0: talk about how they were outlawed, but that really doesn't matter much. But I'm just saying... I, no I, one will do it now no, when it's no, illegal. But, the well, <laughs> but what I'm saying though is that they, 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 in the book, they talk about, or they, in my opinion,
1: unreliable. They, they, right? they, but well, the, yeah, that's, yeah. They gave, they Shoot, gave it it them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's, that's where I was kind of like, they, they understood how impactful that could be. And the author did a good job of kind of not negating it, but also saying like, there's problems with it also. Whereas Colin, like, I, I really like thinking about this more and more as we're recording the podcast. I'm like, damn, you could have like, coal and tanks, and, you know, it's, it's just like... <laughs> so, yeah, like, the Jedi hose like Like, what do you do? Like, yeah. It, it's going to be interesting. It's an interesting... I'm interested to see if it pops up anymore. Sure. Like, uh,
1: that like, down, will be interesting line. to see. Because, but what you're saying, though, is, you know, basically the author says, hey, here's a nuclear bomb, but it's a really, really small nuclear bomb. It can only go off over here. I mean, that's fine, but it has really big implications, and you... I, I I don't know I I don't want to say I don't want to call the author lazy I really don't but it seems like you you had a place you wanted to get and that is Dead Padawan and how do we do that in a way that it, uh, he will feel totally guilty and that's how you did it by by turning her into a cyber zombie basically right or cy- yep. a robot um, and that that was a that was really introducing a very powerful tool and then immediately saying well yeah but okay don't worry about it. Yeah, it,
0: it did its job, it's done. It you don't see anymore. I'm trying to remember what is it that the uh the other assassin in episode two shoots? Remember the 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 um polymorphing assassin Zool? I think it, her name started with a Z. It's a female, but like it's a polymorphing assassin, and she has this huge rifle, and she gets in like the space car and she shoots it. Oh,
1: what is Oh, it, oh right, the, yeah, the big long rifle. I yeah, don't, yeah, I, don't, you know, I wonder um, if she's
0: shooting something similar to that, or if that has played a part in other stories that I know. I don't know. Interesting. I'm afraid. To do, I'm, is... afraid to do, I'm afraid to do more research on it because I don't want to ruin anything coming up. You know. Yeah,
1: that's the over. kind of thing. I, I yeah, I'm I'm actually making a point not to to Google things like that because yeah. uh, I want to keep the sort of the fresh perspective here. But even if that is what she shoots in in episode two. It's never said, you know, and so it doesn't matter.
0: So with that, we'll wrap up the uh, first episode of 11 Parsecs podcast. Uh, talk about Master and Apprentice. Um, we've got some books uh, in queue ahead of us. Uh, I think the next episode that we're going to do, we're going to be discussing the Age of Republic comic special, The Weapon, which is just one small story out of that Age of Republic special. And then the Age of Republic Qui-Gon Jinn, which... Kind of plays into where we're at where with uh Qui-Gon Jin and that kind of uh, early Qui-Gon Jinn and uh Obi-Wan. Uh looks like that's kind of in-, in Padme. Uh butting up to the Phantom Menace, which uh happened at 32 BBY. So uh we'll be watching the Phantom Menace before our next book, which is Queen's Shadow. So Queen's Peril, uh okay, so so let's go back through the timeline real quick. 39 BBY, uh before the Battle of Yavin, uh is when this book happened. 39 BBY. So that was Master Apprentice. The next two the next two comics that we're going to be reading are 33 BBY. So they will be six years after this book. And then there is a book that just came out, Queen's Peril, which is 32 BBY. Um, That being said, though, I think that wasn't on our original list uh, that we had staked out of the chronological order. So we're going to skip that one and go on to some more comics. And then uh, we get Phantom, uh, the Phantom Menace, uh, which we'll do a whole podcast on the Phantom Menace. We are our next book that we are reading, though, is Queen Shadow, which happens at 28 BBY, which is 11 years uh, after this book that we just went uh, talking about Padme. And I'm I'm already I don't know. I think I'm like 25, 30 percent through the book. And I'm liking that book, too. It's pretty good book. Um, How far are you into it? Two pages, two pages. Okay, so so no no opinion yet from John. Um, Two pages are great. The two pages are amazing. So that being said, we've got a bunch of comics coming up. We're going to move Queen's Peril back uh, until we get done with some other stuff. Like I said, we, we put our stick on the ground with our list, and uh, Queen's Peril was not out at that time. So we may revisit it at some point, uh, maybe as a special in the show or something, but it's not on the list today. So Queen's Shadow is going to be our next book that, that we're reading. And then uh, we've got The Phantom Menace coming up, which, which will be our first movie, which is going to be good, because uh, I watched it, the last time I watched it was probably two or three years ago um so i'm eager I'm to i'm eager to watch it with a critical eye again and uh, i think it'll be good and i'm eager for you to get into some comics too so um this will be good it will I, be brand new for me yes never yeah because you me. don't you you've never been a comic reader have you you've read some graphic novels because i have lent you some graphic
1: when novels. i was a, a a kid maybe a little bit but never a hardcore never a collector
0: archie never had a sky sword <laughs> <laughs> That Veronica, I, I'm imagining like like eating like popcorn, like reading like the you know like the what, what's the name of that? Company? They made like a whole like Riverdale. They, they made like a whole sh- TV show that's like a weird dark. Archie Jughead. Off. Archie I mean, and Jughead. Yeah. So so wasn't their their school was called Riverdale, right?
1: I just recently uh, saw that, that that's what that was. I was wondering what that show was about. And it's, but a it's dark like take. isn't
0: it like a dark take on like yeah, yeah. anyways? Okay, yeah. We, dark. we we don't I'd we don't have to watch <laughs> it. <laughs> we don't have we don't we don't have the time to discuss other other shows right now. Underbelly of family circus. But uh, what was the last movie you watched and would you say it was good? Would you recommend it to somebody before we go? Last movie that I watched? Yeah, it was the last movie you watched. Last movie
1: I watched was on Netflix. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of it Extraction. Right, with um
0: yeah,
1: yeah. No, Thor, uh, yeah, Thor. <laughs> we both call him Thor. yeah,
0: Thor. So that's
1: who he is now., uh, but anyway, no, it, it, i I waited a while. I knew it came out. Everybody was talking about it. Uh, finally got on watching it, and I honestly was really impressed. There's an action scene somewhere in the middle of the movie that goes on and on and on in a good way, on and on and on. It's I don't want to know how they filmed it because it's simply amazing. The continuity what they're able to do nowadays with, with some of the tracking shots. Fantastic.
0: Interesting. Interesting. It's on my queue. I haven't watched it yet. I heard it was very good. Also that I've heard a lot of people rave about it and especially uh, how it was a very violent movie, but yet funny too. Like, I guess he's, I don't, I'll go with your, I'll go with your thing. <laughs> what
1: was, well, what was, what was your last movie?
0: Over the weekend, I, had, I watched a movie with two Star Wars tie-ins that one of them I didn't even realize until after the movie. Uh, I watched Knives Out, uh, Ryan Johnson, uh, of course, Episode eight's director, uh, and it was an amazing movie, a very, very, very good movie, uh, like probably one of the best I've seen in a while. But I did not realize, and there's no spoilers. I'm not giving any spoilers here. Um, this is the only non-spoiler part of the podcast. Uh, but there is a scene with a lawyer in the movie, and it's Frank Oz. And I did not know that he number one acted like in front of the camera. And then number two did such a good job. Like he is a really good actor. I, I've never seen it. I don't think he's, I, maybe he's not even been in any other movies besides like Yoda and the puppeteer, uh, for... in
1: something else. And I can't put my finger on it. Wait, uh, was uh, he in uh, another movie? That's kind of the same sort of role where it's not a cameo. It's a very small part. And it's I a very, yeah. And, and, think and, and, of and what it, movie it is, but man is going to bug. Yeah.
0: Me. We'll have to look that up. We can, we can let everybody know in the next episode. Um, Again, just trying to give everybody a barometer on what we.
1: What are the? the, No, no. What are the two Star Wars uh, attachments or connections?
0: Ryan Johnson.
1: One, yeah, got done, yes. And then Frank Oz. Frank. Okay. All right. Fine. (laughs) Yoda. I understand that. Yes. Okay. I'm I'm just saying those are the two. I was looking for something else. I. uh, That's fine.
0: Okay. Okay. You thought that was too light of a of a of a connection. Honestly, yes. I thought that. Okay, was...
1: okay, fair enough, fair enough. I thought I thought it was a good connection. It's bro. perfectly valid. I don't know <laughs> why I didn't think that. No, yeah, that's a connection. <laughs> but yes, that's clearly a connection. I stand corrected.
0: Thank you very much. And with that, we will end this episode uh, of the Olympic Part Six Podcast. Uh, appreciate you listening. Uh, hope we entertain you. And uh, like I said, we've got the Higher Republic. Uh, I'm sorry, not the Higher Republic. We've got the Age of Republic. Uh, special The Weapon, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn and some Garth Maul stuff coming up in we'll the next podcast, podcast two
1: and uh, thanks for joining This is the 11 Parsecs Podcast episode number one If you've enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to subscribe and leave us a good review. Be sure to check us out at 11parsecs.com and on Discord. I'm Jonathan Smith with the Master Eric Thompson Thank you for joining us, we'll see you next time.